0: Welcome to the Colon Cancer Podcast, stories of struggle, hope, and survival in the face of colorectal cancer. I'm Lee Silverstein. Welcome to episode 21 of the Colon Cancer Podcast. Thank you so much for joining us for this episode. If you've been a fan of the show, Oh, we appreciate it, and I would mean the world to me if that if you know someone who's been affected by colon cancer and may not be aware of the podcast, once you're finished listening to this episode, I'd really appreciate it if you grabbed your smartphone, grabbed your cell phone went online, and let somebody know, let those people know about what we're doing so they can experience and hear these stories from our amazing survivors, caregivers, and medical experts. Invite them to visit our website at the coloncancerpodcast.com. Follow us on Twitter. Our Twitter handle is at colon cancer show, or visit our Facebook page at facebook.com forward slash the colon cancer podcast. I'd really appreciate it. A lot going on in the colon cancer community. Some exciting events to share with you for our friends living up in the Philadelphia area on Saturday, September the 12th is the annual Undie Run and Walk, 5K Run, One Mile Walk, taking place Saturday morning, September 12th. You can find more information about how to register for that event on the Colon Cancer Alliance website at ccalliance.org. And then coming up on Thursday, September the 17th, is a webinar. Dr. Jason Zell, a hematology oncology specialist from UC Irvine, will be discussing the alarming increase in colorectal cancer diagnoses in patients under the age of 50. That webinar will take place at 7 p.m. on Thursday night, September 17th. More information is available on the Colon Cancer Alliance website at ccalliance.org. Also coming up in October, I will be attending and hope to meet many of you there at the National Colon Cancer Alliance Conference. Live Your Best Life 2015 takes place in Phoenix, Arizona on October 30th and 31st. Registration begins Thursday night, October 29th. For more information, please visit the Colon Cancer Alliance website again at ccalliance.org. My guest this week is a 10 year survivor of colorectal cancer. Her name is Dr. Claudia Kittock and Claudia, like many of us struggled with the effects of chemotherapy, both during and after treatment. She turned to a dietitian to help tweak her diet and took on exercising in the form of running. And Claudia was running throughout her treatment and continues to this day to run over 20 miles a week. Claudia has formed an amazing partnership through her running with a number of homeless shelters in the Minneapolis area in which she lives. So join me now for my wonderful conversation with Claudia Kittock. Hi, Claudia. Welcome to the show. Thank you so much for joining me this evening. How are you?
1: I'm terrific. Thank you for having me.
0: Oh, it's my pleasure. So I was reading your story with great interest uh, and if you wouldn't mind, just kind of take me back. I, I, congratulations. If I read it right, you are now somewhere around, uh, 10 years as far as, uh, how long it's, we can classify you as a survivor. Is that right?
1: I am. It'll be 10 years, uh, three days after Thanksgiving. Um, and, my my story's kind of interesting. And I think pretty, pretty similar to a lot of people of a certain age. Um, about 12 years ago, my father Uh, had surgery and found out that he had only a few months to live and asked me to be his power of attorney, which, of course, I did willingly. Um, And as he was dying, he kept telling me, take care of mom, take care of mom, which I thought was kind of an odd thing to say because, of course, we would take care of mom. But what I didn't realize until the day of his funeral was that mom's cognitive uh, cognitive problems had gotten very severe, and the morning of my dad's funeral, she um, set the kitchen on fire. So I realized that what he'd been talking about was mom needed some very, very heavy duty taken care of. So I spent the next year, two years of my life, helping to take care of mom. You know, find the right place for her and help her through her eventual death. Um, and at a, her funeral, my oldest sister said to me, "You know, you look like hell." <laughs> Thank you. Um, And she said, no, obviously, you know, this has been really tough and you need to now start on the road back to taking care of yourself. So I promised her I'd get, you know, complete checkups. And two months later, I had my first routine colonoscopy and 30 seconds into it. The doctor said, oh, look, there's cancer. Um, And I said, could it be anything else? And he said, well, give me a minute. Said, no, no, no. That's cancer. So that started the next two years of my life. Um, I had a liver, or excuse me, I started with a colon resection, um, six months of chemotherapy, 28 radiation treatments, um, almost nine months with no evidence of disease, and then they said, yeah, those two little spots on your liver, they're actually cancer. So had another six months of chemotherapy, Um, a liver resection and have been cancer-free now for eight years, but it's been 10 years since the beginning of my sojourn into cancer.
0: Well, congratulations on eight eight years. And I just love how all of us survivors know the exact date Uh, for obvious reasons, I suppose. For
1: obvious reasons, isn't it? Yeah.
0: Sure. And like many people, Claudia, your challenge didn't end when your treatment ended, did it?
1: No no what you know what i what I discovered at the end of treatment was well w- one of the things that I, I'm sure most colon cancer patients share is I had the IV steroids right before my chemo, and I spent two years barely being able to eat anything, but with the steroids after over a year of that, um, I gained 65 pounds. And so when, you know, they said, yep, that's it. Cancer's gone. I said to my, uh, oncologist, great. Now the weight will all drop off. And she said, Oh no, <laughs> you have to lose it the regular way. I mean, talk about unfair. Um, and I said, okay, I've been, you know, I've been poisoned. I've been burned. I've had, you know, nine different surgeries. Uh, you know, I've gained 65 pounds. How do I do that? Um, and she was very, very good oncologist, but, you know, getting better wasn't her specialty. And she really had no place for me to go. Um, I'm a college professor. I'm a researcher. I'm an academic. So I decided I had to get to work and figure out how in the world am I going to now heal my battered body? Um, so the first thing I did was contact, uh, did a lot of research and contacted a nutritionist. Um, who specialized in cancer patients and went in and said, here's my goals. I can't ever go on a diet again. I have to live. That's really essential. And how do I heal my body? And she said, I'll help you. Um, and she, she said really magic words. She said, um, the first thing I know is that you don't eat enough. So I'm going to want you to eat a lot more food. And she said, I'm going to want you to really up your fat content. She said, I want you to eat butter and cream. You know, punish me, right?
0: <laughs> did, you th- did you think she was crazy?
1: I did. But, you know, I mean, I'm sure you share this experience. At that point of your life, you're really willing to try just about anything. Um, and I did. and And the weight started coming off. And I started feeling better. And the better I felt... Um, the more food I was able, healthy food I was able to put in my, my diet. And then I decided it was time to start exercising again. I've always been a very, very active person, but never been a runner. Um and during chemo, I decided that I desperately needed something I could conquer, something new, something that would make me feel powerful. So I started running. And chemo, uh, all the side effects of chemo were much easier to handle when I was running. So afterwards I decided, let's see what happens if I kick up my running. Um, and I did, and I felt better because I was running. Um, and you know, just started adding little tiny things all, you know, started meditating again, started, uh, dealing with my anxieties and, you know, post-traumatic stress um, scheduling fun, uh, you know, doing all kinds of things that I had really not given myself permission to do before cancer.
0: Interesting. And so you were exercising throughout treatment. Did I hear you correctly?
1: I did. I, <laughs> in fact, when I'd come to chemo, the chemo nurses would say, did you run this morning? <laughs> I said, <laughs> I did because I can't run for five more days. You know, wow. obviously cause you know, you get really sick, but, um, I I did my best to, to run on that off week as much as I could.
0: You know, I did the same thing um, for various reasons. Uh, running is a challenge for me, but, uh, there were a few times that I was on the treadmill at a steep incline and a good clip with the, uh, with my uh, pump still wrapped around my waist in a fanny pack and I got some funny looks. Um, Isn't
1: that awesome? Yeah, it, it is
0: awesome. And, uh, tell me about you know, mentally what that did for you. I know my experience was there was some sort of a psychological thing about perspiring and feeling like I can't be sick. I'm perspiring.
1: Yeah. How
0: How is it for you?
1: I I, I think that's really magical. I think I I experienced that also. But the other magical thing for me was um, I'm a child psychologist. I'm a college professor and I never missed a day of work you know, I'm, I'm the strong, you know, I'm going to persist. And I talked to my students about it. It wasn't as if I was hiding it. It's a little hard to hide as you well know. <laughs> um, but and I was raising, I'm, I'm happily married and raising two adolescent boys at the time. So running without planning it, running was the place I could cry. And I didn't plan it that way. And I didn't think about it, but every run throughout cancer and for about the first six months after i cried it was the place i could let you know that mental you you can't hold on to one thought while you're running at least i can't Mm -hmm. my mind goes everywhere and my mind always went to that dark place and that place that you know had been very very bad um and it was it was an incredible way for me to heal
0: fascinating now do you Are you a music listener while you run or you just enjoy the sounds of what's around you?
1: I do all, I do everything. I have numbers of of ways that I run. I run with music. I run with partners. uh, You know, I run by myself. I, I have my nature runs. Now I run with a group called Mile in My Shoes. And it's a group that every Tuesday and Thursday morning shows up at a homeless shelter. And we run with homeless men.
0: Tell me more about that.
1: It's, it's absolutely fabulous. Um, We just started our second site about two blocks from my house. uh, And we run with a group of people that have experienced homelessness that are now in a residence. um, And we just get together every six at six o'clock twice a week and run. And, you know, we start with hugs and with names and we don't ask questions. And, you know, how are you doing? Are you sober? What's going on? We just run. We're just a community of runners um and i come away taking far more than i give um you know these are strong people who but for a twist in their life um are just like you and i which is a pretty good analogy for cancer isn't it
0: <laughs> how true is that
1: how true so- is that and and they they love me telling my cancer story and they cheer for me and i cheer for them um and it's pretty fabulous
0: so do you just show up and say, let's go, we're going on a run, or they know you're coming? Uh, I can, I'm, I'm picturing a lot of funny looks here.
1: Well, that, that happens too, but <laughs> <laughs> no, they know we're coming every Tuesday and Thursday at 6 a.m., and they're ready to go.
0: In whatever footwear they happen to have?
1: We, we provide. We have, um, we have people who give donations, and we give them good footwear and you know decent running clothes. Um, and I live in Minneapolis. And we run all winter long. So oh we give the winter gear too, um, and we run. and we help each other heal. it's It's pretty amazing.
0: Is there a particular story with a particular individual that you'd like to share?
1: Let me think. There's so many. Um, one of the uh, one of the people that I run with as a mother of six, she and her husband lost their home in a tornado you know they were middle class and um the insurance company didn't pay didn't pay them any money all their equity was there um and every every time we show up you know she says i feel stronger i feel better you know i'm getting back on my feet um it's just it's pretty magical
0: i also and, love that word magical by the way <laughs>
1: and i and i just had my you know my checkup and went to mile in my shoes and told them my checkup and you know there was cheers and hugs and you know we're running for claudia this morning and it's it's just pretty wonderful
0: fantastic you also wrote a book
1: i did i did what inspired
0: you to do that
1: well it's called my book is called health through chaos and amazon has it if anyone's interested um As I was figuring out how to heal and as I was figuring out all these tiny things that, you know, we need to do, um, I realized that part of figuring it out for me as a teacher was then being able to tell other people about it. And I'm a huge believer in there's no magic bullet for anything, that everybody's got to figure it out on their own. However... I think we do a huge disservice when we kind of give people the impression that, oh, you just missed that one thing. You know, if you eat cod liver oil, <laughs> yeah. you'll be healthy forever. Um, so I wanted to share both the experience and the idea that y- you kind of have to go out there and find it yourself. But for me, finding it myself was a collection of, you know, a number of things. My one of my sons edited my book. Uh, the other son designed all the artwork around it. Um, you know, I had three friends who read it and it was all about putting it together and and figuring out how did this happen and how did I get so lucky? Because I think another thing that cancer survivors know very well is that there's a huge dose of luck involved in this. You can work as hard as you want and still not survive.
0: Very true. Where did you come up with the title for the book?
1: I have a wonderful friend who's incredibly creative. And I said, I have no title. Help me. Uh, And she called me the next morning and said, what do you think about health through chaos? And I said, I think it's perfect because I don't know how to describe the cancer experience more than, you know, better than chaos. Uh, You're you're full-time secretary for all of your appointments and, you know, all of your treatments. And as I, she had been through the whole cancer journey with me, but, you know, as I said to her, it starts with chaos because, you know, you've always heard that at that fateful moment that you hear those words, your whole world stops. But it doesn't. You know, there's still wash to do. There's still kids to pick up from the basketball game. There's still dinner to make. And yet you have to manage cancer throughout the whole thing.
0: That's perfect. It really is. So one of the things that I, I... I try to be cautious of is, you know, you and I can share stories of your running and me being on the treadmill, but not everybody is so fortunate to, uh, go through their treatment at, at such a, in such a way that they're even able to slightly consider doing, performing exercise along those lines. So what guidance or advice would you give people that you know, perhaps are listening and thinking it's all I can do to, you know, walk to the bathroom. Uh, I I
1: think that's a really good statement. I I, I agree with you that that there are everybody goes through it differently. And I think for me, the key was every morning when I woke up, I asked myself, is this the day I'm going to die? And thankfully the answer was always, no, it's not going to be today. Well, so if it's not today, then my next question was, so what can I do today? And you know, and I know that some days I'm out running and some days getting dressed and taking a shower is, was a mountain to climb. So I tend to be an overachiever and, you know, go, 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 go. So I had to get comfortable with on those days, that has to be what I can do. You know, and give myself permission to know that getting a sh- taking a shower and getting dressed is that's my mountain today.
0: Good point. Yeah, I had the pleasure of interviewing uh, on uh, about the episode before last, the uh, wonderful lady Jean DiCarlo Wagner. And Jean' is, uh, offer has become a certified yoga instructor. That was her path Excellent. to recovery excellent and she is teaching yoga and actually does it over the phone complimentary the third thursday of every month and coaches people th- through yoga uh, even for those that all they can do is lie in bed with a pillow and do it
1: that's wonderful so
0: it is it, it's fascinating and i you know and i guess the message that i'm trying to convey with your assistance to people listening is there is something for everybody there is. And if you're fortunate and blessed that on your off weeks you can go out and go for a run, that's great. But if you that's can't, right. that's okay too. Yes, it is. Any little thing you can do, even if it's just doing some moving around with a pillow under your head and under your hips and yeah. just you know breathing right will, will make a difference.
1: I, I absolutely agree. Um, my youngest son uh, made it his mission on the days when eating was just impossible, that as soon as he got home from school, his goal was to get me to eat something. And, you know, obviously there was a lot of talking that was going on and he had to learn to be content that, you know, if I had half a piece of toast on those some days, that was a lot. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: And that was more than I would have eaten before. So, I mean, it was kind of a family learning issue on, um, you know adjusting your expectations and and cheering little tiny things and i remember the first uh, family dinner we sat down to and he looked over and said mom you've eaten half your half the food i put on your plate oh my gosh we had a party <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah my go-to food on those bad days for some reason was macaroni and cheese I, that was about so i guess I, that's why they call it comfort food i, I know isn't that weird <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. So how, when you look back as to where you were and where you are now, Claudia, uh, how has this whole experience changed you? What would the, uh, I guess another way to say it would, if the old Claudia before your diagnosis could see you today, what would it say?
1: Um, I think the biggest change for me has been giving myself permission to not be the strong person all the time, to cry when I'm sad, um, to take a day to just have fun and to just enjoy myself and and be with my friends and family. My family always had priority, but, um, you know, as a career woman, friends were always on the back burner. I didn't mean not to get to them. I always meant to, but time ran out. Well, that's no longer true. I, I, I make time for my friends, and it's a blessing to me. I, I'm just a different person because of that. Um, now that I'm semi-retired, it's also given me permission to do so many things that I always wanted to do. Mile in my shoes. Um, I'm an almost full-time advocate for homeless people in Minneapolis um, I, I volunteer at a youth shelter um, I'm doing things that before were thoughts but now they're realities because now I try to wake up every morning and say what are you waiting for you know who's going to give you permission I think before the the quadia before was always waiting for permission to do certain things I don't wait for permission anymore mm-hmm. I just do it
0: I love that answer So as we wrap up, a question I like to ask most of my guests is someone will listen to our conversation, Claudia, that they themselves or someone that they care deeply about may have recently received the very difficult news of a colorectal cancer diagnosis. Uh, What message do you have for someone in that situation?
1: I think the message is there's hope. Um, I think the message is this is going to be difficult. Um, I think the message is it's going to change you and your family and people that love you forever. Um, It's a journey you didn't choose. But the changes can be good and and the changes can make you stronger and and make your family stronger um, and bring a level of honesty and, and love that might have been there before but now is going to be much sharper and much better.
0: It's a great message. Well, Claudia, I really appreciate you taking a few minutes uh, of your time to share your story is part of as part of the post on the Colin Hanser website. I will include links to your book. Thank you. Uh, are there links available for Miles in My Shoes?
1: There are and I'll be happy to send you a couple of links. That would be great. Great.
0: So we will include that as well uh in our uh, w- uh web post for your podcast. Great. It will be labeled as episode number 21 and uh so we'll have links to both Miles and My Shoes and links to your book on Amazon. Claudia, thank you so much for spending the time with me. I wish you continued success in all the endeavors you're involved in, and more importantly, continued good health. Thanks again. I appreciate it.
1: Thank you so much, Lee. Same to you.
0: Thanks for listening to today's episode of the Colon Cancer Podcast. Notes from this episode can be found on our website at thecoloncancerpodcast.com. You can subscribe to the podcast on our website, on iTunes, or on the Stitcher app for listeners using an Android device. If you or a loved one has a question about colon cancer, please visit the Colon Cancer Alliance website at www.ccalliance.org. Again, that's www.ccalliance.org. You can also email your questions to us at info at Thanks again for listening. Be well, everyone.